This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right. Um, regular season feels like it's pretty much in the books. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot to uh, to be determined here. I saw a crazy thing, Matt, that uh, that the Bills could either be the two seed or out of the playoffs. <laughs> That's the wide range of outcomes that they've got facing them here in Week 18. Dude, Week 18 is nuts. Um, obviously for one, you know, you've got your typical cavalcade of backup quarterbacks and offenses not playing guys. Like, I think I just saw Schefter tweet out right before we recorded this, that like Blaine Gabbard and Jeff Driscoll, I mean, Jeff Driscoll is starting for the Browns. Like, where did he come from? I have no idea. Uh, Jeff Driscoll. I had no idea he was even on the Browns. Like what, where did that come from? didn't know he was affiliated with the team uh, at this point. Uh, obviously, I think they probably signed him when DTR got banged up or he's been on the practice squad or something. But, you know, they, this would be their fifth starting quarterback, which is pretty crazy. But, Insane. you know, yeah, Blaine Gabbert, Jeff Driscoll, Carson Wentz yeah, is baby. making an appearance back yeah. in our lives. And, then Let's and you know, go. you just add him to, like, the normal guys. Like, oh, yeah, of course the Steelers are starting Mason Rudolph. Of course the, the Jets are still rolling with Trevor Simeon. So you've got all that going on in Week 18. But yeah. then, you know, you've also got, like – I mean, so much, so much of these games matter. Yeah, right? what's like on the line? Just a ton of stuff on the line here. Tons of stuff on the line. Um, I think what what's the Pelissero um, tweet that I I had it here uh, a little bit ago. I don't I don't know uh, if I still have it, but it's something like, you know, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah, this is this is good audio content here. Uh, Palacero <laughs> from uh, NFL Network said, a ho- "Historic Week 18 ahead for the NFL. 20 teams are still in contention for a trip to the Super Bowl, which ties for the most with one week remaining in the last 41 years since a record 22 in 1982." Wow! 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 wow, um, wow. So. I mean, look, a lot of these teams are long shots, you know, but there are a lot of situations where it's like, yeah, the Bills could be the two seed, they could be out of the playoffs, like the Jags could win the division or they could get bounced. You know, there's a lot of just like playoff little threads to pull on here in what's going to be a a pretty epic week 18 when you can look beyond the, oh yeah, this team is starting insert wacky quarterback 
A or B or C or whatever, uh, you know, it's going to be a pretty fun week of football. Yeah, a lot of stuff to be determined. Obviously, um, draft capital also being determined for those guys outside uh, of the playoffs as well. Right. But um, I just figured, Matt, uh, look, we just celebrate the new year. A happy new year to you, pal. Uh, thought we right might talk about you. some wide, wide receiver resolutions uh, that we might like to see. You know, uh, maybe we can see a little bit more consistency from Calvin Ridley. That would be a nice resolution for him to have. Uh, we'll break through some of those, but uh, I want to start the show by talking about the five most valuable wide receivers to their respective teams. Now, this is different than, let's say, the five best wide receivers, which is a topic we will try to tackle next week. But this is the five most valuable wide receivers to their respective teams. That is why we're going to be talking about, um, you know, how valuable is like a Nico Collins to the Houston Texans? I don't think either one of us is going to put Nico Collins in our top 15 wide receivers in the NFL today. But, but, okay, well, <laughs> well maybe Matt does. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But. But uh, he's extremely valuable to the Houston Texans organization. Where would that passing game be uh, without Nico Collins? And again, we'll talk about guys like maybe like Rasheed Rice or like Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman. Where do these guys fit uh, in with their respective teams? But go ahead, kick us off, man. Who do you think is the most valuable wide receiver to their respective team? I think they're, especially based on this season, there's three kind of like inarguable guys that need to be in the conversation right I think it's CeeDee Lamb and I think it's Tyree Kill and I think it's Amon Ra St. Brown oh, yeah. you know we talked about St. Brown um somewhat recently on this show is like a guy that outside of Tyree Kill might be the most valuable wide receiver to his team um and it's funny because you know even like uh I was going back and forth I want to shout out uh, somebody from our discord uh it was going back and forth with them like in the in the dynasty channel about you know, because Amon Ross St. Brown is kind of like a scheme-specific player, right? I mean, that sounds a little um, a lot a little harsh when I say it like that, but you know, yeah. he's a guy who's in like a, a specific role. Um, Greedum uh, was the user in Discord that I was going back and forth with this, like. You know, when trying to separate, like, okay, what what happens when Ben Johnson leaves, right? Like, what if some new coordinator comes in and, like, completely changes his role? Is, is he more at risk of a, a, a kind of, like, a alteration in how we think of him because of that? It's like, well, my point is that that's a little too far down the hypothetical rabbit hole for me because yeah. I don't think any coach is boneheaded enough to, to look at what St. Brown's done through the first – three years of his career and think like, you know what? I'm going to have this guy be our X receiver running nine routes and stuff like that. That is a risk for these players when they come into the NFL, but I don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. as much once they're like an established star. Established. So um, he's, he is probably the most uh, hyper specific of these three guys. But to me, I think those three players, especially based on this season, they have to be on the list. Well, again, and, and to your point though, where would this Detroit passing offense be without Amon Ross St. Brown? Because again, we, we've been talking about a long time. They are desperate. They are in desperate and even X receiver but we've never ever talked about they need somebody to play inside for them because man i'm on ross st brown obviously unbelievable slot receiver for them chain mover for him but yeah he is to me you know again you talk outside of the running game uh, he's the straw that stirs this drink you know so this offense would be in shambles i think 
uh, without Amon Ross St. Brown. Talk a little bit more about Tyreek Hill. I know we've talked about him uh, ad nauseum this season, but again, um, I know that Jalen Waddle stepped in and, and you know looked good against a, a tough Jets pass defense when Tyreek was out. Uh, but again, just the way that he warps defenses, man, it's just I, I don't know how you don't have him here um, as a one of the most valuable receivers, one of the top receivers, obviously in the game, but just specifically to his team, so valuable as well. Right, especially because what he does so well is like cover so. I mean, he covers so much ground, right? Like right. they can do the the full. I honestly think that's part of the reason why he gets hurt so much this year is because they ask they just literally ask him to run a lot. You know all the like stuff he's doing behind the line of scrimmage, right? He's he's yeah. m- he's moving a lot even before the play actually starts uh, from a snap perspective. So they just ask him to cover a lot of ground. That's a big thing here. And I think with Jalen Waddle, like just comparing them as players, like Waddle is pro- maybe not in the same exact same class, but he's pretty close in terms of raw speed. But he's not like the route runner and separator against physical coverage that Tyreek Hill is. Right. You know, Tyreek Hill is also one of the top contested catch receivers in the league. Tyreek Hill is also one of the best like tackle breaking yak receiver. I mean, even tackle breaking not as much, but he's just one of the best yak receivers in the league because he is a physical player. But he also combines that physicality with uh, some real true, uh, you know, a- angle define like angle redefining type of plays in the open field. So yeah, he he's just. He's so good at everything, which obviously makes him um, – that makes you valuable all on your own. But the way he really, like, maximizes this system is it, what Mike McDaniel does down there in Miami, it I think takes it to another level. So, and then in Dallas, C.D. Lamb, I would argue, Matt, is just as valuable to this team as Dak Prescott. Now, obviously, the monies aren't going to line up, and people will say, well, if you took Dak off this, you know, uh, where does this offense go? Again, I just – I argue – that C.D. Lamb is just as valuable to this offense as Dak Prescott is. Prescott, by the way, um, maybe not low-key, but I think unexpectedly, again, having one of his best seasons of his career and and truly in the year 2023, Dak is unquestionably one of the best quarterbacks we've got in the NFL today. Now, you could say, oh, injuries or whatever, but man – he put it on some defenses this year, and I think a big, big part of that was the fact that C.D. Lamb is so versatile. Yeah, you know, I've always loved C.D. Lamb for that versatility. You know, I've even had conversations with C.D. Lamb about this. Like, it's so difficult to be not just good at all three receiver positions, but to truly, I think, have – like a master's level understanding of how to win at all three receiver positions. That's just, it's, there's just not a lot of guys doing that. Okay. No. Um, there, it's very, like, I mean, we just talk about like an Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like, as good as, as good as he is, right? He's not out there running as the X receiver to the level that like CeeDee Lamb can do it, right? Right. Um, there's a lot of guys in the NFL that are just, they're in this specific role and this is what they do really well. Um, but see, Lamb really, truly can do it all. Um, it's like I, I even argued this back before this year. Where I think this year they have um, been more intentional, the Dallas Cowboys, about how can we find ways to isolate CeeDee Lamb as that outside receiver, the number one, whatever. But uh, in previous years, he's primarily just been a slot guy. 
I, I would argue that there's n- not been something this year that like, oh, it really clicked for CeeDee Lamb and he 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 took his game to another level. I honestly just think the Cowboys were smarter about his usage this mm. year because there's not been anything throughout the course of his career. And even sometimes, James, we have we have definitely gotten on the Cowboys about like, yo, you can use this guy outside. You can ha- make him yep. you can have him run vertical routes. You can have him do this stuff. That stuff has always been present within his game. I think the Cowboys coaching staff have just been a little bit sharper this year about how they've used him. That being said, like when you take a player that can do that stuff as an outside receiver and you put him on the inside and you make him a slot, then he just becomes an absolute matchup nightmare. And you saw it like, is there anything more automatic than CD Lamb to Dak Prescott on a slant route right now? <laughs> I mean, it's, I know money the Lions. Sec- money in the I, bank. I, yeah, it's money in the bank. I know that the Lions secondary is not very good, to put it kindly. Their pass defense yeah. is kind of a train wreck. But, I mean, it just felt like every time CeeDee Lamb is running a slant route, Dak Prescott is going to – especially now with the timing of this offense. And that's what really I think has vaulted him in terms of the most valuable receivers. Having a guy like that that in the West Coast offense where it's all about rhythm and timing, and Dak has talked about that this year. It's yeah. all about rhythm and timing. Like, I hit the top of my drop, my foot's there, and, like, those routes need to be synced up with the quarterback's footwork, especially on those slants like that. These two guys are just in such a I wouldn't even call it like a mind meld. I'd call it like a like a physical <laughs> meld. The timing of, yeah, of, yeah. of his routes and his drops, just combine it all together. It's what I think has made this such a special season for CD Lamb. All right. So let me throw this out there for CD Lamb too, by the way. Okay, so he leads the NFL in total receptions with one twenty two. Um and it's funny, I think we just got so um, used to saying Tyreek is the best guy at this position in the NFL currently. But, you know, actually, to be honest with you, CeeDee Lamb has, again, 10 more receptions than Tyreek Hill, and he's got more yards too. 17.57 total for CeeDee Lamb versus 17.32 for Tyreek, and I get it. Tyreek missed a game. Uh, but he's. Uh, but the point that I'm making is that he's right there with them going stride for stride. They both yeah. have 12 total touchdowns this year, right? So um, I, from a fantasy perspective, and by the way, I'm going to be dropping my 25 most valuable um, fantasy players on social media, but from a fantasy perspective, C.D. Lamb, I would argue, was more valuable than Tyreek Hill, especially late in the season, which is when it matters the most, right? So again, I, and and I think when people hear these like counting stats and hear us talking about C.D. Lamb, I think they might be a little bit surprised that it's not Tyreek Hill is like the runaway. You know what I'm saying? C.D. Lamb did his thing this year, man. Um, and it was at times it was a little bit of a slow burn. But man, there were some serious pop games out there where you're like, yo, this guy is putting in the work right now. Um, by the way, before I move on, let me let me just kind of sort of break down CD Lamb's uh, alignment because it is truly pretty rare. Okay, so fifty five percent of his snaps uh, this year came while lined up inside, and forty five percent lined up outside. Right, so again, pretty close to fifty fifty, but still a little bit shading mo- a little bit more towards the inside. Right, sixty percent of his um, you know recept or sixty percent of his um, targets came while he was lined up inside. About 55% or 
of his receptions and a, a, a shade under 55% of his yards came while lined up inside. But again, we're talking about a guy that even though he lines up inside and outside, he gets it done both inside, both outside, scoring out there, scoring inside. He just gets it done everywhere. Um, and C.D. Lamb, I think, has, has really, Matt, put together a, a remarkable season in terms of versatility. You're right. It took a little bit. You like if you just go back to CD Lamb like the first 5 weeks of the season, it's four targets, four catches, 77 yards in the opener against the Giants. He did have the 11 catch, 143 yard, 13 target explosion, but then it's like seven targets, four for 53 and a loss to Arizona. Remember when right. they lost to the Arizona Cardinals? Crazy. The Patriots, he has four <laughs> catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. And then it really all kind of came together when he has yep. Five targets in in that blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And to C.D. Lamb's credit, he didn't, you know, go on social media and, like, send cryptic <laughs> tweets. Right, but right. he did make it pretty clear to the coaching staff and publicly, I need to get the ball more. Like, I need yeah. – not only do I need to get the ball more, but I need to be put in positions to get the ball more. And you know right. what they did? That, right? Like, again, Mike McCarthy and these guys – put their heads together and they said, and I, like, I could have told you to do this like a year ago, bro. But like, <laughs> but they got, but they got to it. Okay. It should have got to it at least week one, but like, I could have told you to do right. this a year ago. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. the way right. to get CD lamb, the ball more in, and again, this very specific West coast offense is you put him on the outside. You put him as the X receiver because that X receiver, when you're going to have that guy run in breaking routes, He's going to be the number one read. Naturally, yeah. that's where the because that's where the play is designed. That's the way the play is structured. So, so much Dak space Prescott's, out there too. So much space. Dak Prescott's eyes are going to go to that player first and foremost. So right. there, you see like the the target distribution between the inside and the outside. Obviously, again, you want to match up on the inside because you, it's a matchup nightmare. It's just un, like an uncoverable situation when it's right. Ceedee Lamb versus like. God forbid a linebacker safety, but even like a nickel corner, right? It's, it <laughs> yeah, is a yeah, total yeah, yeah. mismatch, and you, totally. you're going to be you're going to be you. You can't. This is what we always talk about. Like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be double covered, whatever. You can't break your defense's rules that badly to like now we have two guys on the slot receiver on every snap. You just it, it's you can't do it um, because defense is all based on rules and, and and stuff like that. We forget about that. When we talk about this stuff like matchup wise and everything. So right, it just again you want those plays, but you also want the plays where he's outside and Dak's eyes are going to go to him first, and he's going like I said get the ball out to him when he hits the top of the drop. So let that be a lesson to all of you out there. Like sometimes when receivers complain. I know the first thing is like, oh, Diva, you know, he just cares about his stats, whatever. But yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, sometimes they got a point. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah sometimes they've some, sometimes they've got a point, and like, there's a right way to go about it. There's a wrong way to go about it. We've talked plenty about the wrong ways to go about it. Whether it's, uh, you know, the Elijah Moore thing, like you go on Twitter when your team's w w winning, don't do that. You know, there's the George Pickens, like the the um, quiet quitting protest on the field. <laughs> you, you, that's not the right way to go about it. Right. Even if the results end up being good, that's right. not the right way to go about it. But like C. Right. Lamb, right way to go about it. And the results, again, I think speak for themselves in this particular instance just unbelievable what he's done after the bye week in week number seven man they like you said mike mccarthy and the guys man they really put their heads together and just said all right we're gonna figure out a way to get this guy double digit targets each and every week as a matter of fact after week number seven his lowest target total was nine right so each and every week they basically God, got this guy 10 perfect. plus targets yeah yeah i love it yeah. um by the way a little shout out we're talking about most valuable 
Um, he's not the most valuable, but do shout out to 30 year old Brandon cooks, man. I thought he added so much to this offense really gave them a counter punch when they tried to take away CD lamb and his ability to play outside both a flanker and X man. Uh, it just, I don't know, man. For me, they went away from Michael Gallup. They started leaning a lot more towards Brandon cooks. And for me, that was when I thought this team really started to take off when they they were able to self-scout, identify their two best receivers, and just go to those guys. Obviously, Jake Ferguson had a big play in that too. But Mm -hmm. man, uh, Brandon Cooks at 30 years of age, just yet another team, another playbook. It's all good. The guy just produces. Shout out to him. 100%. And this is a guy that people thought like, oh, is he washed based on like the way he produced in 2022? Right. Like, I think I posted this during the Lions game that there was a pretty strong correlation between thoughts of, oh, CJ Stroud didn't have anybody to throw to in Houston and, and oh, is, is Brandon Cooks washed? It's like, no, Nico Collins was really good before <laughs> CJ Stroud got there. And, and no, right. Brandon Cooks was really good. It just... That was a completely non-functional situation with a completely... Right. I mean, again, Kyle Allen started games for the Houston hey, Texans right. in 2022. Kyle Allen and even Davis Mills wasn't that much better. So um, I think we just talk, we talked about Jeff Driscoll. Didn't he have a little um, cup of coffee with the Texans at one point? I, I know that was a thing. Um, that might have been when he was playing tight end. He was tight end. Jeff Driscoll was definitely like tight end eligible for a hot second. Yeah, 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 in, yeah, for sure. In Yahoo. And anyway, we don't need to talk more about damn Jeff Driscoll, but no, Brandon Cooks, and it's funny too, because if you look at like his stats, he actually has like yardage wise, 699 in 13 games at the Texans, in 15 games at the Dallas Cowboys, is 16, 618, 48 catches, that's fewer than the 57 he had in 13 games at the Texans, but he has seven touchdowns, and right. like, Nobody gives a shit about Brandon Cooks's yards and, and stuff like that, okay? Like, we're talking about how, the impact that he has made for this team. It's, it's night and day between, Huge. yeah, like the players they were rolling out there previously, especially because they so badly needed a, a, a flanker receiver. They needed yep. somebody. Like, if you're going to have CeeDee Lamb run all these slant routes and you're going to have the, you know, Jake Ferguson yards after catch plays, like, somebody's got to be doing the clear out stuff. And Brandon Cooks is a legit, 100%. like, clear out threat. Like, that's something we we don't talk about enough too. Is that like when coaches watch the the film and like Brandon Cooks effectively clears out the defense? It's like you did your job. Like yep. you no, know, you don't get a catch, you don't get a target. It doesn't go in your go to the box score, but you effectively did what we wanted you to do on the play. And he's done that there for the Cowboys. That's been a pretty crucial thing. Um, so yeah, he's he's obviously been a, a great addition and and was definitely like a. You know, yeah, he hasn't been like a fantasy league winner or anything like that, but he's been such a big addition to this Cowboys team. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, a week two, he didn't record a single catch. And then again, after the bye week, this is it's just so clear that they were like, all right, we're, we got to get this guy involved, you know? Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, six of his um, seven touchdowns came after the bye week. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, so uh, definitely got him more involved and found creative ways, I think, to get him the, the, the football as well. So, um, I mean, golly, look at his game against the Giants. Ten targets, nine grabs for 173. What? Come on, bro. <laughs> That's amazing. 173 and a touchdown against the Giants. Good stuff right there. Anyways, a uh, little shout out. Uh, to him as we continue our, our, our most valuable wide receivers to their respective teams conversation. So, again, CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek, Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, extraordinarily important to their respective teams. All right, so outside of them, outside of the, those three names, Matt, I, don't, I, I struggle a little bit here, you know. Who is, who is the most valuable to their team? What, what are the names you got out there? Well, I think we have to say Justin Jefferson, too. I know he didn't have that type of season, right, yeah. because of injuries and stuff like that. I mean, the Vikings are – they're, they're yo-yoing so hard at the quarterback position. It's almost like – it's embarrassing. It's almost tough. Dude. It's not. Yeah, it's not like tough to watch. You know, I, I've it's said. Embarrassing, man. I've joked on a few places that I think Kevin O'Connell is going to age like a president based on this series, <laughs> or based on this season. You know, because yeah. it's like the the way Barack Obama looks when he goes into the office. Yep. Not the same, right? And, nope. and you do that with coaches too. Like, I mean, look at look at the pictures of Kyle Shanahan when he was hired versus now, and like he's been there for a long time. We all yeah, yeah, look yeah. at me. Look at me seven years ago. I don't look the same. <laughs> we all. We all. Uh, we all. Yeah. do not age gracefully mm-hmm. right but like right. i feel like kevin o'connell's gonna look like like he has to be feeling like that just the way this this quarterback mess has gone with this year um but i mean i still think justin jefferson is probably the best receiver in football you would at least get my vote uh, i do think the gap uh like cd lamb has definitely closed that gap he's been incredible um but still I think if we're just talking value to to their own team especially drop off to like the individual guys and, and yeah like we talk about this with with quarterbacks, like do you elevate your teammates? I think that Justin Jefferson legitimately elevates his teammates, not just his quarterbacks, yeah, um, but like the other players around him. Like Jordan Addison is so much better and so much more productive and so much more useful when Justin Jefferson is on the field. And Correct. so same with T.J. Hawkinson, who's now banged up, of course. But like, right. I still think he belongs in the conversation, even though like the the stats won't be there, of course, because of uh, the injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's the only reason why I didn't have him on that list is the, the he just missed so much time with the injury. And also there are some mitigating factors in regards to that. I think Addison's a really interesting up and coming prospect and man, 
um, Hawkinson was just an absolute baller for them, right? So um, the the passing offense obviously takes a huge hit. Um, I just don't know if it craters as badly, I think, as like, let's say, like Detroit, Miami, or or especially Dallas. I mean, Dallas would just be an absolute disaster without C.D. Lamb. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, it is difficult, again, because of just we're parsing quarterbacks out. I think... Yeah. I think that Miami would actually have an easier time without Tyree Kill for a, for a stretch, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that we're talking about here. It's like, can you survive a stretch with these guys, um, like without these guys? Because obviously, you don't have them for a full season. It completely changes like the complexion, right, of the right, team, right, 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 any of these players. But I feel like Miami might have uh, a, an easier time with like, okay, I mean, Jalen Waddle has not been healthy this season. That is a big part of it too. But I think that. Like, if I'm just talking about the number two receiver, like, mm-hmm. I think Jalen Waddle is, and there's no real shade to Jordan Addison, maybe slight shade, but, like, he's not in Jalen Waddle's <laughs> class, No, yeah, right? no, you're right, you're right, you're right, 100%. So I, I think they would have an easier time, like, all right, now we're just, we're building the plane out of Jalen Waddle. It's going to look a little bit different. It's going to feel a little bit different, but we can still have a very effective offense, yeah. whereas I do think with with Minnesota – you have a good. You have, do have some solid players around. I just think, like from a value perspective, like the way he changes the math and the way he makes things better. I do think yeah, Justin right. Jefferson still belongs in that conversation. All right, so we got four guys in the books here. I, I think when you talk start talking about some other guys, like you know, I think DJ Moore, Nico Collins, Steph Diggs, Steph Diggs, Garrett Wilson. You know why Steph Diggs wasn't just a clear cut, just okay, so so valuable to their team, is because. They win a lot of goddamn ball games in Buffalo. Yeah, they yep, yep. win a lot of ball games in Buffalo, and Steph Diggs ain't doing much, much to his own chagrin and obviously to the chagrin of his fantasy managers. But um, it seems, I, I mean, you, you, if you had this conversation last year, that's just sacrilege to not put Steph Diggs in that conversation. But Matt, with this Joe Brady led offense here at the at the OC spot. It's just it's just a little bit different, you know. So I don't know. Maybe we should start there. What? Yes or no on Stefan Diggs? I mean, I think you got to say no right now. And, and we talked a little bit about the Diggs stuff last week. Yeah. Where you know, I don't think he looks like he's dropped off as a as a route runner or anything like that. However, it did. I don't know if you caught this, but Tim Graham, who's covered the Bills forever, yeah. I think he works for the Athletic right now. He asked Sean McDermott on a Zoom press conference. Mm. Why are Stefan Diggs' snaps down? Like we talked about this last week. Yeah, right? like yeah, why yeah. Are yeah. His, right. Why are his snaps down? So he asked Sean McDermott this, and Bill's PR like ended the ended the Zoom conference. Oh, which oh, talk interesting. Which talk about bad PR? Um, oh my god! Well, I can't can't imagine. Like we're not having the conversation about this if he just like gives a canned answer that to me by the way raises that alarm bell even more i talk about it like there's like some sort of something something i think maybe undisclosed i would say like it could be an undisclosed injury unreported injury because if sean mcdermott goes out there and says like well he's he's not playing a lot of snap because he's dealing with this and was like well now we know your bs in the injury report and boom there's a fine right and they're already talking about like all this stuff because of gambling and like the the arthur smith Bijan robinson thing yeah 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 that that definitely 
is one explanation for it. Um, I think there obviously are other things you could take from that too, but that, that did raise my alarm bells there. The, the, the funny thing, it's a double whammy for PR. One, don't end the press conference because all of a sudden now it's just like all these reporters are like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to start we digging now, there. right? There's something there. But then number two, it's like you have to know that question's possibly going to come up. You have to give Sean McDermott the answers to the test, man. Like that's your only job at, as a PR person is to anticipate some of these questions and give your guys the answers to the to, to the test. You know what I'm saying? So, man, that's a double whammy, bad look uh, for Buffalo Bills PR. Like, yo, you are not doing your job. That is that's yeah. not good. Uh, interesting. There might just there might just be no good answers because like. I mean, we're just in reckless speculation territory here, but right, like obviously, if there's you know the Dave Damashek special, rec- reckless speculation, that's what we, that's what we get paid the big bucks to do. Um, yeah, like with the one part of it, yeah, it's, it's the injury thing. You can't have him go out there and, and step on his toes and and like yep. say, oh yeah, he's dealing with something that we're not reporting. That's a disaster waiting to happen. But then on the right. other hand, if it is something like if it is on more a political level, or, or like yeah, political yeah, yeah. thing or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really know how you go out there and talk about it because if you say like, yeah, we're just working on other guys, it's like, oh, so you're benching digs like you're in in, te- in an intentional way, and then they're gonna <laughs> dig on that. But if you go out there and say like, you, I don't know, I mean, you just got to go out there and give them an answer to to just say nothing. Like f- these guys do this all the time. Like just find a way to filibuster and say Dude, nothing. Totally, I mean, but then again, totally. you, you, do, you think of the Sean McDermott stuff. <laughs> Shoot, you might. <laughs> Michael, Michael, out there and say some some real stupid, right? Uh, oh so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Oh my god. Maybe, maybe the best the the, the, the PR folks are just like you know what? The only move is to end it. Just rip, That's the, rip only the wire. I mean, just 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 oh cut the wire. God. Cut cut the cut the Ethernet cord, and and we'll keep it moving. Oh my god. I mean, like they should have thrown up some like fake like TV static or something, been like, oh, you know, we must have gotten some, we must got some internet connections or something. Man. Yeah, have, like, have Sean go like. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's oh freezing my on the Zoom call. That's unbelievable. Uh, all right, so so he's not one of our five most valuable wide receivers. Um, certainly, I, I don't think he's outside the top ten. I'm just saying, you know, not one of our five most here. Okay, yeah, not uh, right now. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, like if it, you'd ask me this question in week five or week six, yeah, I would be God, like, hell yeah, you got to be. Of course, but, yeah. But I, th- this is also again when we ha- talk about this, we also have to talk about the quarterback too because. Um, Josh Allen solves so many problems for you uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, even if whatever's going on with Diggs right now, okay, well, we're going to A, run the ball really well, and also we still have a cyborg at quarterback who, yeah. you know, can – hey, it's like kind of gone a little under-discussed that, you know, Josh Allen leads – doesn't he lead all quarterbacks now in this point? Yeah, well, he's tied yeah. with Jalen Hurts, 15 rushing touchdowns, and – I mean, Jalen Hurts is getting his tush pushed every week. You know, that's not happening always with Josh Allen. Although no. It did happen a little bit against Patriots. So, I mean, it's just when you have a problem solver at quarterback like that, your number one receiver can go through kind of like a stretch here where um, where it's not so great. But, yeah, no. And now to kind of bring it to other guys here, like yeah. this is one thing I struggle with too is like, okay, if you're a really good number one receiver or you're the best receiver on a team, you know, a couple of names you threw out there, like a Garrett Wilson, like a Rasheed Rice, mm-hmm. like a Keenan Allen. Um, I mean, like a Michael Pittman even. Yeah. Um, there's a big drop-off, I think, more extreme in, in 
varying circumstances here. Like I, I think that there are, you know, Josh Downs is a good player. Like Alec Pierce is a fine like role player as a vertical mm-hmm. X receiver. Um, the Chargers kind of a disaster class <laughs> behind Keenan Allen once Mike disaster. Williams got hurt. Rasheed Rice yeah. definitely just disaster class behind behind him. And I mean the Jets just unspeakably bad. I mean, sit. The truly unforgivable sins, what they did at the wide receiver position beyond uh, Garrett Wilson <laughs> this offseason. But that being said, like you, none of these uh, – the, the Colts offense is pretty good, which is why I'm kind of struggling with the Michael Pittman part of it here. But like okay. Chargers offense, huge disappointment. Chiefs offense, massive disappointment. Yeah. Jets offense, like wipe it off the face of the earth disappointment, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're the number one receiver in that offense, and it's not your fault, but I'm just saying like – if the, what's the if, true if the, impact? What's the what's the not not even what's the true impact? Because like I don't want to say that these guys are doing more with less. That's that's not really what I want to say. I just want to be like right now. I would say that the Jets' offense is horrendous. Not really Garrett Wilson's. Like I think the Rasheed Rice and Keenan Allen ones are are better examples actually, mm-hmm. um, because those offenses were like I would say at their best this season, very mid. So okay, you're the most valuable receiver on a mid offense with a great quarterback. So how much value is that? If we take you away, do we go from mid to shitty? Maybe, prob- mm-hmm. pro- probably, definitely like the receiver core. If you take those goes out, those guys out, go from like, well, we have one guy to we have legitimately nobody that really scores defenses. Yeah, so zero. I don't know. That's kind of where I struggle with that part of it. Okay, so we're four through. Um, again, I'll, I'll throw a bunch of names out here. Tell me if somebody speaks to you here. DJ Moore, Nico Collins, Garrett Wilson, Rasheed Rice, Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, I think we kind of sort of took out. AJ Brown is a name we have not discussed yet. Uh, but uh, I'm curious there with AJ Brown too because Devontae Smith's such a good player, right? Like the drop-off, yeah. like we talked about with Tyreek, um, is there... But I think the and I, I I'm curious to get your take on this. I think the gulf, the delta between Tyreek and Jalen Waddle is significantly more than the delta between AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, in my opinion. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think Smith is a, although I, Smith has not had his best season. That's for no, sure. No, 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 um, no, no. Yeah. Well, this offense again, in neither. general has not been very great. You know. No, they have a lot. Of, they have a lot of problems. They need to have like a a real come to Jesus moment, or they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Um, that's just that, that's where the Eagles are at right now. But I think that yeah, the 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 gap is probably, and I would have said this to begin to begin the season too, and I felt better about Smith then. But I still think yeah, the gap between one and two is is a little closer there um, in Philadelphia. So I, I I am hesitant to say AJ Brown, but. Damn, dude, imagine that Eagles team without A.J. Brown. That looks pretty rough. Can <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah. now that we're talking about throw, uh, like, Eagles losing in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. You know which team they probably would lose to if, they, if, if, if the playoffs started today? I think they'd, they'd play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I have no clue. I think. I think that's how it would go. You know, it's fun. I, you know, it's so, you know, it's so funny. It's it's so the playoff picture is so crazy right now, right? That I haven't even begun to look at it because I'm like, dude, too many things. Um, can change here in week 18, which is insane. Well, the Eagles are the five seed, and, and right now the Bucks would win the NFC South. I mean, all they got to just beat the damn Panthers, okay? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If, if things held today, like they're the fourth seed, the Eagles are the five seed, so they'd play each other. Um, 
I think number one, the Bucks could win that game. And can I throw out the name Mike Evans in this conversation of top five mm. most valuable wide receivers? Because yes. Chris Godwin is yes. a good player. There's no doubt about that. But like the way Mike Evans has played this year, dude, he's played like a top Ballin. eight receiver in the league. I mean, yeah, we always talk about this group of like seven elite receivers in the league. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Steph Diggs, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup was the guy at the beginning of the year. I think like CeeDee Lamb definitely belongs in that group. Like the next name out of your mouth there has got to be Mike Evans based on mm-hmm. the way he has played throughout the course of his career and how he has played this year. Like this whole Baker sans, the, the Baker Mayfield revolution <laughs> that we're in right now. I know he's not coming uh-huh. off his best week, obviously, but yeah. they'll smack around the Panthers in week 18 and we'll forget all about week 17. Yeah, they'll be um, fine. That's not happening without Mike Evans, right? So I feel like Mike Evans kind of belongs in this conversation. And because, like, Nico Collins, very valuable to his team, no doubt about it. But, like, Tank Dell was also very good there, right? Unlike the Wilson, the Rasheed Rice, the Keenan Allen, the Michael Pittman that we've talked about, like, the Bucs' offense has just been legitimately really good. Um for, especially adjusted for expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think DJ Moore is worth worth this conversation here, but I mean, yeah, again, the Bucks offense has so far outkicked their their expected coverage this year and Mike Evans has a lot to do with that man and his career resume I think kind of puts him in this in this bracket too. I think that's a great call. Um, we kind of sort of gloss over Mike Evans. I think far too often he doesn't get the respect uh, that he deserves. And I think that that is true. Let me throw a stat out here for you. Now that you brought up Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans is 13 um, touchdowns this year. He has accounted for 46% of the passing touchdowns from Baker Mayfield. 46%. I know it's not, but it feels that's insane. That's in, that's an insane number. 46% of the touchdowns have gone to Mike Evans from Baker Mayfield. Come on, bro. That is nuts. So, no, I think to that point, I, I think that that tells the whole story right there. You know, again, we talk about yards and receptions all you want. At the end of the day, you got to score these dang points, man. And who's scoring the points for Tampa Bay? It's Mike Evans. Each and every week, this guy is scoring touchdowns, man. So um, I think there's a lot to that, um, to the the point that you're making. And you're right. Uh, I think he's certainly in that conversation uh, for number five. Are we going Mike Evans at five? By the just before we make a final decision here, (laughs) you got me thinking about this team touchdown percentage stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're right. Mike Evans, 46.4% of the team touchdowns, uh, passing touchdowns have gone to Mike Evans, which is nuts, but it's actually only third in the league. Do you want to guess who the other, do you want to guess who the other two players are? I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll guess them, but, but I have from a percentage standpoint, I have no clue is like Drake London or something. Somebody random in that mix. I have no idea. Number one, Deontay Johnson. What? (laughs) Because (laughs) what? Come on, dude. Come on, man. What? Uh, I think I think, you could have gave you could have gave me thirty guesses. I would have never got to Deontay freaking Johnson. That's incredible. I think number one because it's it's only accounting for the twelve uh, games that he has played. Uh, this oh, okay. I'm looking at for fantasy points right now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Fantasy points data, but yeah. So again, he's only played twelve games. He has four touchdowns, but the Steelers as a whole <laughs> have twelve passing touchdowns. So. <laughs> In the 12 games that he has oh played, God, um, 
What? That must mean they have eight passing touchdowns in the 12 games that he has played, and he has Dude, 50% dog. of them, which is four. Do you want to take a guess at who the second one is? No, I do. This is my mind is blown, blown. What? Okay, give me the next guy. Who's the next? It guy? is also number two, DeAndre Hopkins, because he has okay, six. He has six touchdown catches, and the Tennessee and he's played sixteen games. Yeah, yeah. The Tennessee yeah. Titans as a team have twelve passing touchdowns. That's so disgusting, that's, dude. That what? and that is good. That is good for obviously. 30th in the 30th and 31st in the league because the Jets are dead last with 11 touchdowns. Oh my which God. also makes it just a crime that um 11. Oh. I mean, wow. it, I, George uh, damn Gary Wilson should be higher on this list, man. He should. <laughs> how, like I said. how come there's only how come there's only 11 passing touchdowns on the season and Gary Wilson saying. only has 3 of them? 27%. <laughs> We got to get that. That percentage should be closer. Um, but again, yeah. So they're like bottom barrel. When you oh look God. at the Bucks, who Mike Evans has, who has 46% of wow. their passing touchdowns, the Bucks have thrown 28 touchdowns this season, which is seventh in the NFL. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. much more impressive and puts it in like a different category that these, that he has 46 percent yeah the the closest one like a guy who's played the full season because mark andrews in the game he's played he has 46 percent kendrick Bourne, weirdly enough had 44 percent because he was legit the only receiver doing anything in yeah eight games that he played but it's tyree kill is the second he's played 15 games he has 12 touchdowns 42.9 percent okay. uh, of the passing touchdowns that makes sense uh, yeah so i mean that is pretty funny though that's <laughs> nuts what come on dude oh my god that's just just absolutely wild but yeah for, i mean again so i get it that really does highlight the fact that what, what is mike evans's value to this team man he's just scoring all the points dude 46.4 percent of the the passing touchdowns oh man that is impressive so impressive stuff from mike evans that yeah he's in that conversation for five all right so we got aj brown in that conversation we got uh, Mike Evans in this conversation. And again, um, you know, I threw Rasheed Rice in that mix because, golly, there's just no wide receivers um, outside of Rasheed Rice. I mean, to be honest with you, some of these guys are a net negative, you know, not even net yeah. neutral. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, Kadarius Tony's legitimately been a net negative uh, for this offense this year. It's crazy. Dude, I mean, MVS. I, I don't want I Hurts. don't want to bang I don't want to bang on MVS too hard because I, I just don't want to be mean um, but like bro I, they're paying this guy three years 30 million dollars that was the contract he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs and like he oh has run he has run the most routes of any receiver on this team it's like we talk okay yeah Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and like I mean these guys obviously didn't develop but like we know what MVS is, right? Like we knew that when he signed, look, go back and look, go back and read his 2021, I think free agent profile on receptionperception.com. And don't tell me like that should have been a three or $30 million <laughs> contract. And that Horrible. that's a guy that should run the most routes on your team. Like, right. it's just crazy what the chiefs uh, have done at wide receiver like that. That's like, that's probably a crime. Like what the Chiefs have done at wide receiver this year. Like that's probably a crime. Um, I, I looked this up on uh, Next Gen Stats here uh, in regards to the their wide receivers there in Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> Sky, oh, God. Sky Moore, his rec receiving EPA is negative 14.1. Oh, yeah. Kadarius Toney, negative 10.3. 
Marquez Valdez-Scantling, negative 2.2. Justin Watson, negative 1.2. This is so bad. It's shocking. What? It's shocking. It's that shock- is What is Rasheed Rice? I mean... Rasheed Rice re- receiving EPA, 31.2. Travis Kelsey, 41.9. Um, and again, a lot of it is, is, you know, based on, you know, touchdowns and, you know, interceptions, uh, interceptions and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sky Moore has, <clears throat> when, when thrown the ball, he has one touchdown and three interceptions. Uh, Kadarius Tony has one touchdown and two interceptions when thrown the ball. Um, Sky two Moore feels actually light. Two, two, feels two, low. two feels way low, but you know, and also timing of those interceptions too. Cause those two, those, I would argue those two interceptions legitimately are else like legitimately cost them the actual game not like epa no 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 like no actually just watching it that like the chiefs lost the game because of those canarius tony uh interceptions man crazy stuff go back and review some of the things that uh people said about canarius tony including the chiefs gm brett veach like their expectations for canarius tony were so crazy out of whack compared to anything that like he had ever done. I mean, his, obviously Sky Moore didn't develop. I wish Sky Moore had developed. I thought their, right. their usage of him was weird this year. For uh, sure. But he, but he just did he, – he wasn't a guy that like – he was like kind of a hope and a prayer coming into this year. Like, all right, he didn't, he didn't play well as a rookie, but like let's see what he does when we expand his role and it <laughs> didn't work out. I mean, Kadarius Tony, like there was film on Kadarius Tony, and like, I mean, saying he was going to be the number one receiver on this team was just like it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, okay, so by the way, so I'm going down this rabbit hole here. We we all agree that the Chargers wide receiver room is is an absolute disaster and a mess, right? We we can agree on that. Yes. Okay, yeah. so uh, when we take a look at some of their their wide receivers, um, guys that actually you know get some playing time. Um, again, Josh Palmer, uh, positive plus six point eight. Quentin Johnston, who everyone hates right now, nine point four. This isn't. This is giving you an idea of how truly magnificently bad, uh, in yeah. regards to EPA, Kansas City's receivers are. Because again, we can all sit here and agree the Chargers' pass catchers are not good. These are not good players. But none of them are in the negatives. None of their primary pass catchers are in the negatives. Man, like that's, yo, that's crazy. Although. Don't tell your don't tell your guy this. He's my guy too. I love him. But Austin Eckler's actually the lowest on the team. Negative fourteen point three. Yeah, that's yeah, tough. That's tough. That's tough. Fumbles, um, fumbles will do that to you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He had a bit so, of he's had a bit of a fumbling problem this year. Uh, which, not not good. Yeah, not good. Not yeah, good. Not uh, good. Which is unfortunate because we we love Austin Eckler. Um, but anyways, uh, but yeah, that's again just to kind of put in perspective how bad Kansas City's um, receivers are. God, that's just embarrassing, dude. What? That's imp- it's impossible. That is impossible. Okay. Anyways, all right. Uh, have we settled? Have we settled on Mike Evans at number five? Are, are we? Are we feeling good about that? I have a lot of thoughts about DJ Moore, but we can save them for uh, another podcast. Uh, okay. But yeah, I, I was close to, because again, the drop off from DJ Moore to to Darnell Mooney and the guys. It's like, jeez, God Almighty, yeah. that is rough. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that does make me think like maybe DJ Moore, uh, but still like 
the Bears passing offense has not been as good as the Bucks right. passing offense. So um, I was just about yeah. to bring that up because you were bringing that up with, you know, the Rasheed Rices and the Keenan Allens and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 42.1% of the passing touchdowns have gone to DJ Moore, though. There you go. Uh, there in, it in is. Chicago. You, I, we should do this more often. He's in like, the mix. Let's go, <laughs> let's go down a rabbit hole with some weird stat, like yeah, some yeah, yeah. inane stat, because this, this touchdown percentage <laughs> thing is, is tripping me out. Uh, so that is pretty funny. What a world we live in. Okay, good stuff. Um, all right, let's get to some New Year's resolution and then we'll, we'll walk out of here, man. But give us a wide receiver New Year's resolution, Matt Harmon. Uh, what would you like to see some of these uh, players commit to as we turn the page into 2024? Well, I talked about George Pickens and my New Year's resolution for George Pickens is, bro, the way you're playing right now, these last two games, play like that every game. There you like, go. I don't know what it is if it's just sometimes you got to, and we've all been there. Sometimes you got to hit a low moment and you got to mm-hmm. get like called out for hitting a low moment. Cause that's the funny thing is like George Pickens deserved to be called out for the, the run blocking stuff with yeah. the, you know, the effort and everything like people in the media did it. We did it. His coach talked about it. Like it was a thing that needed to be talked about. But uh, even then, the what, guy he was blocking for called him like Jalen was like, yeah, uh, well actually I would actually block for him. You know? Golly. By the way, if you, if you watch this last week's game, by the way, uh, like Jalen Warren, it, it, I think it was one of the catches late in the game stones a dude in pass protection, which gives Love Mason it. Rudolph just enough time to uncork a 30 yard heater down the field to George Pickens. So beautiful. It's like, <laughs> it is it is a little funny symmetry there but yeah that but i'm I, like again sometimes like you challenge a guy who is obviously uber talented like george pickens my problem with pickens is that he doesn't play consistent to his talent right, right? like right that and that shows up in the success rates and it shows up in the rp data but he's obviously a wonderful player when he's fully engaged and and really like firing on all cylinders and, yeah. and on his P's and Q's from a technique perspective because he did that stuff in college, right? Like from a separation standpoint, there wasn't like a – people talk about him as if, as if he's a net negative as a separator, and he's not. Now, he did have the fifth percentile success rate versus zone as a rookie, obviously, but you know some of that is scheme and some of that is this, that, and the other. But like the guy has it from a technical perspective. Like he can do it. He did it as a collegiate player uh, at Georgia. He was a very good – he wasn't like – I talk about the myth-making stuff. He never became like the next AJ Green, but he was yeah. obviously really good at his craft at one point. Right. I just don't think he's played that way consistently in Pittsburgh, but the last two games, like he has been playing that way. If he plays like he has the last two games, and I don't know whether it's the, I don't know how much of this Kenny Pickett drama stuff you've you've followed. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff, but ha- have you seen any of this no, Kenny Pickett I, stuff? No, I, I, I'm, 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 honestly, I'm gassed out on Pittsburgh right now. You know, I don't, I don't blame you, but yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the muck and I'm in the <laughs> okay, muck in the good. mire, I guess, good, uh, because good. I like these receivers and I like, I've always <laughs> been, I don't know. I probably would benefit me if I just disengaged from the Pittsburgh stuff, but I haven't, but I agree. Um, <laughs> Kenny Pickett, apparent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Kenny Pickett apparently, um, was, this is alleged, allegedly according okay, to, okay. I think it was Mark Madden. Um, you know, he's been on Steelers radio forever. Like basically said that he had heard a rumor or whatever that it was Kenny Pickett had been told he was not gonna like Mason Rudolph was gonna start over him against the Seahawks and he was like or against the yeah the Seahawks and he's like well then I'm not dressing Pickett denied it right all this stuff like that he you know, he, he would have been the backup quarterback whatever but now they're going with Mason Rudolph again I don't know if there's something like George Pickens and Kenny Pickett just didn't vibe or something mm. but like I will say this. 
from like a way like I talk about this with receivers all the time. There are certain guys that like the way they see and the way they play the game just clicks. Like the way that Mason Rudolph plays the game and the way that he operates as an aggressive vertical thrower, it just fits with George Pickens. And I think like that has brought out the best in Pickens the last two games to have him play like like he's capable of playing. So again, my, my New Year's resolution for George Pickens should just be like, do this every do this the, what you've done the last two games, do it every week, and like you will be a top ten receiver in the league or something like that. All right, there we go. Uh, I got a New Year's resolution for Jerry Judy. Let's learn how to beat zone coverage. Let's just go ahead and do Let's go ahead and do that. I mean, can you not be bottom of the barrel in the NFL in regards to beating zone coverage? Okay, because I think that would take uh, take his game truly to a, a, I mean, a completely different level. You know, if you're yeah. going to be a 50-50 slot outside guy, you got to learn how to beat zone coverage, man. Like that is that's job number one when you're a slot receiver. Otherwise, do the other thing, you know, where you're going to be an outside flanker guy and all you got to do is beat, you know, man press coverage or whatever. Okay, fine. Go ahead and do that. But if you want to be a 50-50 inside-outside player, man, come on, brother. Let's learn how to read zone coverage. Let's learn how to beat zone coverage. All right, so that would be my resolution uh, for Jerry Judy. What else you got? I would say for Jerry Judy, too, just just – Stop freelancing so much. Like run the route like it's God, it's designed. So don't run the route for Instagram. Run the route for your for the team. Okay. I I think um, we're beyond that. I think that's it's too late. I, <laughs> we can't well, even make that. <laughs> yeah. It, it probably takes so is too- long to get out of his breaks, man. Like, come yeah. on, dude, stop it. You're not running practice reps right now. Or uh, to be honest, with you, at practice, maybe get out of your 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 breaks a little faster. You know, come on. Imagine, imagine because you know people talk about Jerry G like he's a great route runner. Imagine. If Jerry Judy had to be transported into CeeDee Lamb's role where, like, the timing is everything. Oh, my I God. mean, Dak Prescott throw, like, 20 picks. Cause oh, easy. <laughs> like, well, easy. I'm throwing this route, and this is when he's supposed to be there, but he's not there. He's still dancing over here, and the de- defender intercepts it on the slant and takes yeah. it to the house. So. Right, right. Um, right. Yeah, I, I like that one. I uh, think my next New Year's resolution would be for the Packers uh, specifically. Okay. Let's let's figure out what's going on with Christian Watson's hamstring. Like, your your New Year's resolution should be, like, how do we keep Christian Watson on the field, man? Uh-huh. Because this group is so exciting. And honestly, I mean, Jaden Reed has dealt with injuries. Dontavian Tavian Wicks has dealt with the injuries as a rookie. I know. What let's is going on in Green Bay, by the way? I, I don't it's know, man. crazy. But, like, those, those ones, especially, like, a chest injury for Jaden Reed. I'm not, like – Oh, he's injury prone because he has a chest injury throughout his rookie season. But like the hamstring stuff with Watson is a legitimate concern because yeah. he's just he's often on the field all the time and like you know even just like he pulled up weird on that play against Kansas City that they mm-hmm. end up winning the game and then he hasn't played since then. That's difficult. So that would be a New Year's resolution for them. Like, bro, we got to figure out. Well, and I think Matt LaFleur has even said publicly, like, we need to figure this out. And I would agree. News resolution, Christian Watson, Green Bay Packers, figure out what's going on with the hamstrings, man. I mean, listen, I, I know the Charger fans are out there just being like, hey, you know, don't talk to me about injuries. Baltimore, you know, fans are out there being like, don't talk to me. Do not talk to me about injuries, okay? But, I mean, you think about some of the random stuff, like uh, lacerated kidney for Luke Musgrave, you know? Dontavian Wicks has been in and out lineup now. Both of their running backs have been banged up too it's man their offensive line oh my god their offensive line has been absolutely decimated by um by injuries too this just goes to me this goes back to i just think it's just really impressive what jordan love has put on tape this year 
despite all of that, because man, a lot of young quarterbacks would have tanked. They would have folded, man, like a lawn chair, given all these injuries. Jordan Love's just out there, just he's just keep on keeping on. You know, certainly he's had some down moments um, this season, but I think for the most part, it's been pretty positive uh, for Jordan Love, and I'm really, really impressed. Oh, I'm yeah. really excited about his future. Dude, hell yeah. I mean, I am very excited. Like, I think that's one of the most important takeaways from this season is that Jordan Love, uh, I mean, we don't know, like, what his ceiling is. Um, I definitely don't agree with everything Aaron Rodgers says at all, especially lately. But <laughs> Golly, Rodgers, man, you're making it hard to be a fan. Come on, bro. Anyways, but keep going. But he made the point at one point on the McAfee show this year that, like, we are t- way too, like, whiplashy with quarterbacks, especially with Jordan Love. Like, when he had struggles to start the year, it's like, oh, let's get the Caleb Williams, Green Bay Packers photoshops up there. Like, let's – and then when he was having a really hot moment, it was like, oh, he's the next Pat Mahomes. Like, we're still in kind of discovery mode of what his ceiling is, I think, Jordan Love. But – yeah, I would say this. I agree. Th- what we have seen over the balance of this year, he is definitely a dude. Like he's a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he, he, could, he might even be kind of like a teammate elevator because, you know, Bo Melton gets out there, goes over 100 yards <laughs> against a good Vikings defense because hey, Jordan loves aggressive and he'll yeah. uncork that thing. So, um, yeah, I, I love uh, I love what I've seen from Jordan Love, obviously, and and it's going to be important because all these Packers receivers to some degree are very good. So Jordan Love is going to matter to us incredibly young is that Packers offense for sure the youngest in the NFL all right I got one more wide receiver New Year's resolution that would be for Calvin Ridley I don't know what we got to do uh but we got to get on this more consistent train you know and I know he's been away from the game for a long time but I think at this point now in the season again I even started the year by saying I'm really worried about Calvin Ridley. Uh, we got to give him a little bit of time to get acclimated. But come on, man, we're going into Week 18. Now we're we're there now. Okay, we're there now. Like he's got to figure out a way to be more consistent and, and be a bigger part um, of that offense. I, I just I would love to see a little bit more. Not a little. I'd love to see a lot more consistency for Calvin Ridley. And to be honest with you, Matt, I'm actually low key kind of excited. Um, about Calvin Ridley's prospects for 2024 because he's going to post hype sleeper. Yes, post hype sleeper. People hyping him up too much. He burned a lot of teams this year. People, he's going to be going low in drafts. But I'm just saying, from a real life perspective, because we don't always talk about fantasy here. But just from a real life perspective, again, he's got another year under his belt. He's got a year of working and getting that chemistry. Um, with Trevor Lawrence, you know, hopefully the the postseason uh, can all uh, help him as well develop as a player. So I don't know, man. Hopefully we'll see a little something, and I and I do think we will uh, in 2024 for Calvin Ridley. Yeah, man, I I could believe that. Um, you know, his end of year stats aren't gonna look that bad. Um, he's gonna have right now going into Week 18. He has 70 catches. He has 910 yards. And he has seven touchdowns. I think if you told this is the funny thing about statistics, right? And and just kind of perception and everything. Yeah. I think if you told someone when the Jaguars made the trade for Calvin Ridley in the middle of last season at the trade deadline, yeah. hey, they acquired Calvin Ridley and he's going to get next season for, for them, for, for you guys, he's going to have over 900 yards. He's going to have seven touchdowns. We still have a week to play, right? He could actually outkick yeah, yeah. that, right? But he's going to be close to 1,000 yards. He's going to be close to you know seven, eight touchdowns. They'd be like, oh, my God, what a you home take run. take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, you oh, you take that in a heartbeat. heartbeat. He, missed, he missed almost two full years of football, right? Like the whole <laughs> thing. Heartbeat. 
But then obviously this we I've already I have already publicly apologized for my part in this, okay? You know, I've already owned up to being uh-huh. a part of it, but then okay. the hype machine gets rolling, the expectations get kicked up, you know, we we get the cart before the horse, the whole thing, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like god, what a letdown season for Calvin Ridley, which by the way again does show you that Sometimes year-end stats don't tell the whole story, right? Of course, they had the conversation with Steph Diggs, yeah. where it's like, oh, he's if it's over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. What a good yeah, season yeah. for Steph Diggs. That doesn't tell the whole story. Like this does not help tell the whole story for Calvin really the way the season has gone. But this is funny that, like, yeah, I think if you told somebody right after they made that move, oh, he's gonna have yeah, just over nine hundred yards between nine hundred and a thousand yards, he's gonna have seven, eight touchdowns. Like, yeah, yeah. you're. You're not just taking that, but that's like that's a huge win for what they gave up for him. But yeah, they gave him nothing. I am th- they go well. That's the thing, though. If they do re-sign him, then they have to send a second-round pick to Atlanta. Oh, so. that's right. I forgot about that part of it. That's I, I right. Don't, that's which, right. Good move by Terry Fontenot to kind of get that in there, right? Like, so yeah. I, I, I'm curious how they approach Calvin Ridley if he's even playing for this team next year. Maybe they tag him. I don't know if the tag, how that works with the contract stipulation stuff. But yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Um, but I agree with you. Like another year, he's he's probably never going to be like a top. 5'10 receiver in the league just when you miss so much time like you can't really recover all that yeah but he could definitely be a very I mean I even on the whole this year there's been negative moments but it's been a pretty good signing for them obviously to, to kind of do what they it, I think a lot of it falls back on coaching and deployment and usage and this type of stuff too so um, I think there's a lot of potential whether he's there whether he's somewhere else for him to have a nice season next year so again we talk about that inconsistency right he had nine different games Matt where he was at 40 yards or less that's that's not good you know no. so 40 yards or less nine of his 17 games that for the most part so for the majority of the season he really did not make an impact a big impact yeah. for this passing offense because 9 out of 17 games you're under 40 yards trust me bro you're not making plays <laughs> you, you know what i mean or so, you're not or you're not being put in a position to make plays like, sure there's there's probably a little bit of both where as a coaching staff you have to do things especially when a guy like Calvin Ridley is not we think he's played. I think he's played well this year, but he has. He's not like AJ Brown. He's not like. Um, I mean, we talk about with Ceedee Lamb, right? Like they had to put him in a position to make plays, and Ceedee Lamb and Calvin Ridley are not even close in terms of like how right. good they are at football. So you got to put the guy in position to make plays at times too, which I don't think they have done a, a good job at. But at, at the same time too, there's no question. I'm with you. He is let things slip literally out of his hands at times this year. Yeah, the drops. I've, I'll be curious to see what his uh, overall drop percentage looks like uh, here after after some charting here because it just it just didn't seem, man, I, even if they weren't drops, I, I guess, you know what you know what it is? It's not just the drops. It's the number of difficult catches. I, I just didn't feel like he made a lot of difficult catches yes. Uh, yes. this year. You're right, you know you're right I mean? about that, by the way. Uh, four, just according to Fantasy Points data, 4% drop rate, five drops on yeah, the season. Not bad. But in terms of contested catches, they have him at 40%, eight of 20. Mm. Um, I will say, like, <laughs> yeah, Calvin Ridley's not a contested catch guy. He's never been a contested catch guy. It was the worst. It was the worst thing in his scouting profile. And even when talk, even looking back at his twenty-one profile, it was like, yeah, he didn't have good contested catch numbers. Then, man, like that was interesting. A, that, he, he's a skinny dude. That was why I've, I've been so like kind of frustrated with the usage. Like 
he's not George Pickens, dude. Like, don't just stick him at the X receiver and have him run goes and comebacks and stuff like that and, right, and right, throw him right. the ball in tight coverage. Sure. Like, I think they sure. really could have – they could definitely use a true X, I think, even if they bring back Calvin Ridley. Like, I he agree. can play the X receiver position because he can separate against press man coverage. But, like, go get a big ball winner that can stretch the field and have Ridley kind of be your – slot flanker type and Christian Kirk slot flanker. A lot of yeah. ways you can use those guys interchangeably. Yeah, a little mix and mash. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, interesting. I, I did look this up, by the way, for Calvin Ridley. Catch rate this year's uh, all-time low, 55.6% uh, catch rate uh, for Calvin Ridley in 2023. Uh, sadly, his catch rate has gone down each and every year since he has entered the league. 69.6% uh, catch rate in 2018, and it has gone down every single year. Uh, since and this is an all-time low for him at 55.6 percent so interesting uh, interesting stuff there I think for Calvin Ridley but still uh, I think there is some stuff to be excited about uh, as we go into the new year all right do you got any other resolutions or should we call it yeah my last one um, talk about a topic I've talked too much about lately uh, it's going to be Terry McLaurin for me uh, okay it's 54 yards in week 18 to get his uh, another thousand yard season he could certainly get there that should be literally all the commanders try to do in week 18. I agree. Um, get him, you, get you him need one day. To, you, you need to lose this game, number one. So if <laughs> right, Sam Howell throws a few more picks, right, who, cares? who cares? Who cares? You can get Drake May at mm-hmm. second overall. You get Caleb Williams, whatever. That is Perfect. all you need Perfect. to do. is lo- You need to lose this game, and you need to get Ter- Terry McLaurin 54 yards receiving or whatever that he needs to get 1,000 yards because you owe it to this guy. But my New Year's resolution for Terry McLaurin Kind of bringing it full circle back to the CD Lamb discourse, buddy. You got to do a little more bitching. I, I know that Terry Mc, <laughs> Terry McLaurin. He never bitches ever, never. We, and he's he's kind of st- just a, a little bit this year, right? With the I ran a lot of cardio comments. Yeah, yeah, that we yeah, talked yeah. About the he even kind of after last week's game when they lose to the 49ers, he talked about like, man, I, I wish we had a culture like that, right? Um, you know, he had some comments about that after the 49ers game. So he started to voice a little bit of frustration. But, and again, there's a different way to go about it. There's a good way to go about it. There's a bad way to go about it. There's like the whole, um, I, I got to, you know, I go on Twitter, the whole thing. We don't want you to do that. That's not the way to go about it. Like causing frustration and strife, whatever. That would be a bad culture. But yeah, you know what, Terry? Like the national media talks about this stuff. And, and it puts pressure on the team and like team beat writers put more pressure on the team when, when you're a little more pissed about it, man. So like, he, um, that's the thing. He, even, even the cardio comment, he did it with like a little bit of a wry a smile. Yeah. You know? Oh, he's such, dude, he is such a gem. If you ever like look at his like social media, it's like all about pictures. Like he just dude, got totally. engaged. He's, he's, he's like wearing, he's wearing best. like normal non-flashy clothes. He's going like fishing and stuff. Like he's yep. a gem. Because obviously what he cares about is working hard in football, the whole thing. He's, he's great. Terry McLaurin's awesome. But what you need to do when the new coaching staff comes in there, <laughs> new front office comes in there, and a new quarterback comes in there, oh, you got to be like, okay, look, 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 look. I, I am Terry McLaurin. I could be producing like CeeDee Lamb. I could be putting up these bonkers numbers, okay? We got we to gotta make this more about – we got to make this more about Terry, okay? Um, you got other good players around you, sure, whatever, but – 
I think you, if you have a New Year's resolution, Terry McLaurin, it should be just a bitch, just a little bit more. Not too much. Not don't too go much. too far. Don't, don't go, make it don't bad. But yeah, you got to yeah, yeah. bitch just a little bit more. Oh, my God. He's, so, he's such a nice guy, man. What the hell? He's so good at this at this game, man, but he never bitches ever. Like he's And he's always like in a good mood. Like You've never seen an interview where he's pissed off. Never. <laughs> I think yeah, even even this yeah. uh, this comment that I that I was talking about the um, uh, the 49ers thing, <laughs> even this is like not even with a a complaint. It's almost like sadness. He says about the 49ers, you know, they've got a great staff over there. They've got great players. You can tell they love playing for each other. Hopefully, I can be a part of something. Oh like my that. god. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just focused on myself, my world, Damn. and my journey, and I'm gonna keep. To, I'm gonna keep working to be the best oh player I can be. It's almost like sad, oh not not even like mean or, or or frustrated. It's almost just like, ah, yeah, that looks cool over there. What they're doing as they beat us in week 17. Looks I mean, fun. dude. Okay, here's the thing. Even Larry Fitzgerald played in a Super Bowl. You know. And, and like where where he not only played he played well and he was the driving force behind that offense you know come on man like I let, and he's and again he's the the standard bearer right when we talk about nice guy wide receivers right like he's yeah. he's right there you know like Darren McLaurin's you know I'm not I'm not saying he's the level of Larry Fitz because he's not but I mean come on man like let's get Terry McLaurin. In the postseason, doing things. Let's get him a quarterback that's reliable. I, at this point, I just feel bad for the guy. Golly, yeah. unfortunate because he's so good. They got a shot. This, this, it's all, it's all on the table for Washington because they're gonna have new, new coach, new front office, complete blank slate. Nope, you're gonna go for a new quarterback as long as they lose this game in Week 18. Don't mess it up. Um, not often do I advocate losing. I'm not a tank, bro. But like, you gotta lose this, this you gotta, game. You got to. You got. You got to do it. Ron, Ron Rivera, give him a good parting gift and lose this game. Because you know, on the other side, a big part of it too is like, if the Patriots win, I think then, uh, or the Patriots lose and and the Commanders win, I think that the Patriots end up with the the number two overall pick. And you know, Bill Belichick is definitely trying to give them not a good parting gift. He's trying to win <laughs> one more game against the Jets before he gets out of there. So um, just don't mess it up. Just lose this game. Uh, Terry McLaurin <clears throat> has been over 50 yards receiving. Um, excuse me. He's been under 50 yards receiving in eight games this year. So 54 yards does not sound like a Herculean task, but it is at best a coin flip. At best a coin flip. For Terry McLaurin as we go into week 18. I'm pulling for it. I'm pulling yeah, for it. I hope same. he gets there. All right, so there you go. That's the show, man. Uh, good show. It was a lot of fun talking about this stuff. When we reconvene next week, um, at some point, we will talk about our true, not just MVPs for the teams, uh, but the true uh, top 10 receivers in the NFL. Who made the cut? Who did not make the cut? Who? Which players from last year fell out? of the top 10. We'll be discussing that at some point next week. All right, be sure to like and subscribe, man. We appreciate everyone's... Um, man, we just appreciate everyone who's been listening for this entire year, man. So there you go. That's the show. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace. Peace.